Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Morning. So we're continuing, as always, our discussion of 1 Corinthians. A couple announcements, though. Next Sabbath, July 2, we're having our corporate gathering, and that will be held at Brovina. Um, yes, 12 o'clock. Usually on 12 o'clock, they open at 12. So if then be there, invite a friend. That's a great, our, our corporate gatherings is a great place to invite a friend or a coworker or anything like that. So, excuse me, be a great opportunity for that. So, continuing, we are doing chapter 12 today, and specifically we're going to kind of focus on verses 12 to 26 in the majority of our conversation, but as always, we'll kind of bounce around a little bit, and so that'll be good. So, one thing that I want to ask a couple questions before we get into this reading First of all, a big focus of 1 Corinthians was Paul addressing all the different divisions in the church. Right? So if you remember back to chapter 1, people were saying they were part of Paul, they were baptized by Timothy, they were baptized by this person, they were baptized by that person, they were claiming, they were claiming, you know, membership of all these different factions, and they were saying, well, well, I'm better than you because I was baptized by this person, right? You guys remember that conversation. In chapter 3, the focus was on people claiming superiority over bringing others to Christ. It was like Paul was addressing them to saying, so if you planted the seed, he's using that metaphor, you planted the seed but another person watered and another person harvested, you know, how can one person say they did all the work? Or that they're better than the next, right? So he's, he's approaching that disunity that was going on. Um, you know, it, does anything come to mind for you guys about similar concepts that have been in 1 Corinthians that Paul's been addressing? You know, people showing up and creating divisions and factions and, you know, not doing things for the right reasons or... Does anything come to mind along those lines? Just a couple a couple weeks ago, we had a discussion about the Lord's Supper with people coming in, and they, you know, some people come for the right reasons to partake of the Lord's Supper. This was last week, and other people come because they're hungry and they just want to eat. They don't care. A lot of disunity. Yeah. So, so the reason I kind of went through that is because in chapter twelve, he talks about spiritual gifts in the beginning, but then what we're talking about is. Paul kind of ties all that together and creates this beautiful metaphor of the body, doesn't it? The human body. And how all pieces kind of work together. So before we read, let's just go around. For those of you who read the chapter previously, what are some things that stood out to you overall in the chapter? Would you like to go first with that? have been feeling that there's so much more for us to tap into when it comes to, to God. So much more. Because back in their day, in the disciples' day, Paul's day, they had a very um, active um, very active walk. They were out there uh, touching people. 
they were out there seeing miracles happen. They, uh, I, to me, like, okay, because in verse 9, it said that, or 8, um, sorry, 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good, for the whole collective common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, performing miracles. And then again in verse 28, he, he does the same thing. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, prophets, teachers, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, gifts of helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Um, there's like different gifts, I think, that he wants to give to everybody. But somewhere, for me, it seems like somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of just the power that's available to us through the Father, through Jesus, because Jesus even told his disciples, greater works than these you will do. And I don't believe that that was just for 2,000 years ago, because the God today is the same as the God 2,000 years ago, and thousands of years before that. But I, for me, and I read the same thing in James 5. James 5 goes through the same thing. I, to me, there's just more. I want to find more. Mm. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else have any insight overall the whole chapter before we dig deep? Or would anybody like to respond to what Mom just said? You know, a verse came to me when you were describing that that Jesus Jesus says, you know, in the last days there will be people practicing a form of godliness but denying their power. So in other words, in the last days Jesus says that there's going to be Christians all over the place, going to church, baptizing, preaching sermons, teaching tap school, the whole bit, claiming to be Christians. And then even, you know, Jesus uses the imagery in the last days. Will they not come to me? He says and say, but Lord, Lord, didn't we heal in your name and prophesy in your name and do all these things in your name? And Jesus says, get away from me, you wicked people. I never knew. And so, exactly. So it really comes down to, you know, how, how do you answer that question? And I guess specifically to tie it back into today's discussion, is Paul addressing that? Is he is he making a distinction to say, How do we practice that form of godliness with the power of the Holy Spirit? With the power. With the power. Yeah. And I think part of it too is accepting. Because all through the Corinthians it's been accepting the different diversities and the different parts of the body. Mm. And so this to me is saying too, everybody has a different gift. Mm -hmm. And each one is each one is important to the to the collective and to the ministry. Not everybody has the same gift. Everybody has different gifts. So let's pick up at verse 12, and let's just read 12 to 26, and then we'll start unpacking a little bit further. So let's, uh, yeah, let's kick it off. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. 
Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no divisions in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I think that is an amazing metaphor. And it's so easy to understand. Right? And it only works. I can see why he wrote this in this way to the Corinthian church. Because it only works if you are a group of people or a church body that is motivated for love for others. That's the only way it works. So what stood out to you in that passage? For me, first question off, off the top. Verse 13. Paul says, For we were all baptized by one spirit to one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Okay? So if Paul was writing this today, how do you think he would word that verse? What words would he put in there instead of Jews or Greeks and slaves or free? Contextually, if it was today. I would say no matter what your, no matter what your, your ethnic background or your political affiliation political your status what we consider mm -hmm. status in the world mm -hmm. whether you're homeless or a rich man mm -hmm. um, you're all equal whether democrat or republican whether christian or atheist whether black or white whether homosexual or, or heterosexual right so what paul's for me when i read that verse paul is is addressing dividing lines in society because those are dividing lines in society and he says dividing lines in society don't matter at all when you're of Christ and of the Spirit because they're not of God's kingdom uh, anything else moving down through read uh, verse 23 through 25 this is out of the remedy um, I really like how he paraphrased these few verses 
and you guys tell me what you think of this. Um, verse 23 through 25. And the parts we consider less honorable, like the feet, we treat with special honor by providing shoes specialized for all occasions. What do you think about that? Right? And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special care and attention. Here's verse 24. While the parts we present publicly don't need any special treatment, God has designed the body, creating a perfect organism where all the various parts are united in serving each other, where each part is honored to fulfill its appointed purpose for the good of all. Verse 25, no disunity or competition exists in the body, but all the parts are equally concerned for the health of the others. I loved how I worded that, especially no disunity or competition. And, and that's what we're finding in 1 Corinthians as a whole. Paul's addressing that almost in every chapter. There's some form of disunity or competition going on. think about that pretty straightforward I mean is he in some ways saying here that you know you know he talks about like the less honorable or whatever the, um, the unrespectable are treated with great respect so isn't he in some ways saying that those with gifts that are a little less apparent maybe that you know because he says which our respectful parts do not need, right? So they don't, our respectful parts, or in the remedy it said, you know, our more visible parts, like, don't need that extra honor or whatever, right? So is he saying that, that those with spiritual gifts that maybe some people would just kind of, you know, think is less important or not as respectable somehow have, like, does more, more nurturing, more nurturing, more care, more yeah. attention. Versus like the overt ones, like you know the yeah. teaching, the healing, the right? Like, right. The more subtle ones. Right. I see where you're going with that. I think that's yeah, a great like insight. That. I like that. Yeah, because I mean the the pastor, the preacher, the apostle, the healer they're they're all out in the open, like they, they you know the the charisma, the whatever, like that's just. But the person who's more of like the helps the healer as equally as important, but more, more reserved behind the scenes can easily be overlooked. Interesting. That's really interesting. I really like that connection. My heart is chuckling right now because in verse 24 in the remedy where he says, the parts that we present publicly don't need any special attention. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, she just circled her face. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I was thinking about that. The, and then the parts that we don't, like the less desirables we treat with more respect, the ones we don't, you know, like internally. You know, we don't present our internal organs or our internal things like that or our brain. Or, but yet we do things to try to, we take supplements, we try to eat a healthy diet. We, we spend a lot of energy to exercise and Wear helmets sometimes, <laughs> you know, as a healthy lifestyle. 
You know, that's really interesting. Yeah, or like with our feet, you know, we, a lot of people aren't super happy about just sticking their bare feet in everybody's faces. Hey, like my feet, you know, but yet we, we take special care to comfortable socks, supportive shoes, you know, we really take care of our feet. It's pretty neat, huh? Um, check out verse, end of verse 24. Four, and I think there's a really interesting tie-in here to some other passages that we've talked about. So, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. Let's think about that. Giving greater honor to the less honorable. What comes to mind with that phrase? Janitor. Janitor? His work, the guy that the the one that's just kind of coming along, and um, you know he's on the cleanup crew or the um, the the caretaker. He's a caretaker, mm-hmm. um, or he scoops people up that feel like they're just smushed on the road. Okay, um, he's given just as great an honor as the preacher. Mm-hmm. So. What kind of person is the janitor or the caretaker? What are they doing? They're not in the spotlight. What are they doing? They're serving. Right? The activities and the things that they do are serving. They're giving and they're doing things for the benefit of others. Other people enjoy the clean church or the clean house or the, the mowed yard or whatever it is. So... So when I read that verse and I highlighted that part, giving greater honor to the less honorable, it kind of triggered a question in my mind. And it's, so let's make a comparison here. How is the hierarchy, right? The, the political and the just, just the civilized civilization, the hierarchy of the world ordered? How is it ordered of the world? Yeah, but it's simple to answer. I'm not. I'm, I'm not answering it. I'm not asking it very succinctly. I don't think. Like in other words, who's the most powerful? Who's the one at the top in the world? Who's the person at the top? Most money. Most money. Most influence. Most influential. Most powerful. Most popular. Most popular. They're the ones at the top. Absolutely. And who's at the bottom? Most the least money and the least influential. Least right. Poor. Or least influential, absolutely. Quiet. Quiet. They're at the bottom. Um, less intelligent, maybe. Less intelligent? Okay. Now, let's ask that question, but let's flip it over. How is the hierarchy in God's kingdom ordered? In God's kingdom, who's at the top? Those that are the least of me will be the first. That's right. Matthew 20, verse 16. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In God's kingdom, it's upside down. Right? And we find that even with in Philippians chapter 2, where where Paul talks about, we've talked about this a lot in our discussions, where you know, have this mind in Christ, have this mind in you, which is also in Christ, where Christ humbled himself to the point of the slave. He was the least of all of them. But then, what did God do with him? He humbled himself to the point of death, and God exalted him above. To the throne. Into the top. 
that concept is, you know, it always brings tears to my eyes because mm. I think of the world that we live in and how we have our refrigerators stocked full of food and we go down to the grocery store down the street and you think in some countries they're starving. Yeah. And when I think of that, I think, well, it's so well-deserved. They'll be first in line. Mm. They'll get to fill their plate up first, you know, and it's just, it's beautiful. Mm. But it's like humbling, you know? Especially that person who's in poverty and starving but chooses not to eat first. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, amazing, huh? Yeah, and so that verse really kind of poked, that really jumped out at me, giving greater honor to the less honorable. That, you know, even in this metaphor and the way God designed the human body to work, um, you know, the principle of his kingdom, we, we can see the principles of God's kingdom in our own bodies and how we treat ourselves and interact with others, too. There's a song that we used to sing when we were young. It talks about if you want to be great in God's, in God's kingdom... Learn to be the servant of all. And that's the only part I remember. It's just a little chorus of it. Hmm. Yeah. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all, huh? Hmm. There was an interesting concept here that jumped out to me when we did this reading. Verse 15 and... 15, 16, 17, where Paul kind of made that metaphor of like the foot says, well, because, you know, the foot compared himself to the hand, because he's not the hand, he said, well, I don't belong to the body. And Paul said, but that still doesn't make him any less a part of the body. Right? And then he makes the other connection with the ear. If the ear compares himself with the eye and says, well, because I'm not an eye, well, that still doesn't mean you're not a part of the body. And I, and I, I like how he kind of made that point to say and almost as a way of like a warning to us potentially to say that one don't compare your gifts or yourself with another person in the body and if you do well I can't I can't lead a discussion because for whatever reason or think of a million excuses that we use every day why we can't do something well because you know I compare myself to somebody else that's why I can't do it and and I, and I hear Paul here saying like that that's no excuse that you shouldn't do something because you're still a part of the body you know hmm what else jumped out to you guys any, any different different views on this whole passage here? Or perchance did the First Corinthian church people, when they read this letter and they got to this body part, metaphor, do you think that started what Paul had been saying in the previous 12 chapters leading up, do you think it started making some sense? Like, oh, I kind of see where he's getting at now. Huh? I think they probably started to understand by the second second chapter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, it's interesting because he threw a curveball where mm. everyone thinks that there's this hierarchy. He just leveled the field. Look, you're all starting at base. You're all the same. You know, different gift. You're not one more important than the other. And it was like a, 
I think, a wake-up call for a lot of people, even the people who had did lesser jobs, because then they were like, wait, I am important, you know, that I'm important to this, you know, or, you know, and it just really yeah. helped create that, you know, an eye-opening experience for them, I think. I do think it's interesting, though, that in 28, which I don't Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll finish down at 31 before we're done. But, um, he does kind of put a numerical, you know, uh, order to it. Because um, he says, And God has appointed these in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, and so on. Um, then it goes on to say, But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. So, is he in some way putting first, the highest is apostle, you know, even though all of them are important, there are greater gifts that we should aspire to or or be willing to fulfill if we have them. Um, like, why wouldn't you just say, okay, God's appointed these in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers. Like, why make the differentiation between one, two, three, right. four? And then, and then on 31 he says, but desire the greater gifts. So, it, in my verse 31, it says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Um, I think it's the earnest behind it, maybe, is because if you are trying to do what's right in the God's, God's eyes, to, to do the best work for him, because you earnestly want to do excellent work for God because it's God and you you want to do your best that way and um, and selfishly selflessly let me just say that that he can show you even different uh, avenues. yeah different avenues to do that you know things that maybe he's not listing there's mm -hmm. you know what I mean and I don't know that's kind of how I took it but Mark had a comment. As you grow in your relationship with God, your your gifts are going to naturally come to you. I think you grow into your gifts. Mm. I don't think it's naturally. I think everyone has a set talents they were born with, but I think people grow into the greater gifts as they walk with God. You know, you don't get wisdom just from converting. I like that. Here's how I read that verse. Um, and God's verse 20, and God has appointed these in the church first apostles, alright? Paul's an apostle, what's an apostle do? He's a person called by God to go into an unchurched area where they don't know God and plant a church, okay? So, you can't have a teacher or a miracle or gifts of healing or someone who can translate helping, all that kind of stuff, until after the apostle gets there first to start setting things up. So, first apostles to set things up. Second, prophets. So, what's a prophet? Two, two things. One, a prophet is someone who prophesize about a future event, but mind you, the actual definition of prophet is one who calls people back to a knowledge of God. So the the apostle shows up, starts planting church, he's the he's the first person in. Second, prophet shows up. He starts doing more of the work calling people back to a knowledge of God. Third, now that we've got some generations, we've got a teacher who's who's there now, who can start actually teaching the nitty gritty of these things. Then after the teacher, what comes next? Well, maybe there's some miracles. Because why do we need miracles? 
Are miracles for someone who's strong in faith or someone who's weak in faith? Miracles point you back to God. We can make God real. Absolutely. So now you're there working, you're teaching, and you're dealing with a bunch of people who are really weak in faith. So there's someone who's a gift of miracles to strengthen people's faith. Well, then there's some gifts of healing and helping and leading and various kinds of interpretation. You see how it starts building and building and building and building. So that's how I interpret it. It's not a hierarchy of one person more powerful than the other. It's a but natural progression. Absolutely. When the apostles shows up and he's done with his work, he's not there anymore. He's moved on to start again. So that's how I see it. And then in the end, where verse 30 says, do all have gifts? Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles? Well, if you were all apostles, then who was going to teach? Who was going to, you wouldn't start that, that growth. What do y'all think of that? I like that. If you had a body of all ears, it would be ugly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just think of the human body. Since we're talking the human body, when you have, when the sperm meets the egg, what's the first thing to develop? Mark. Brain. Neuro, brain, stuff like that? Exactly. And then following that, following that, following that, time the baby's born, now you've got this living, breathing thing, but the brain's still not fully developed. So there's this progression of development to grow into maturity, and I think that's exactly what's taking place. Here. Your brain's not developed until you're 26. That's right. That's why you okay. can't rent a car until you're 26. Prefrontal cortex is still shut down. Mark just said something a little bit ago. He said like that we're born with talents mm. and then gifts kind of come later. If I understand what that's what you said, Mark. As you grow in your experience and as you work your way, for instance, when someone's just converted, they might have just God given like, you know, I might be good at music so I can play it, you know, I might yeah. be good at help so I'll help, you know. But as I grow with God, my wisdom tends to grow and that, that other thing. So you work into the deeper, you know, <clears throat> in these churches, you have people at different points in their walk. Absolutely. Just like we do in this room. Absolutely. So I kind of like, so what that verse, it says, I'll sh um, desire the greater gifts and I'll show you an even better way. So I, I'm kind of looking that at that now that no gift what we've learned, no gift is greater than the other. Paul's, Paul is just saying, desire these greater gifts. Bring your bring your talents, the talents you know you have, and then desire these greater gifts from God. Um, you know, and ask him where you fit. What gifts does he want to give to you? Kind of. Anyway, that's kind of how I see that now. I like verse 31 to kind of start wrapping things up at the end of this chapter. But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. So it begs the question, what is a better way? What's even a better way of being someone who can perform miracles and heal somebody? Right? I like the way the remedy worded that part. So don't get sidetracked by trying to do someone else's job, but instead fulfill your purpose in the church, eagerly striving for the greater gift. And now I will show you the only true and most excellent way. And what what's the next chapter of ne the after next week that we're going to talk about? First Corinthians thirteen. What's First Corinthians thirteen? A love chapter. The greatest love chapter, I think, in the whole book. See how he segues into that. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great?
So we're going to have a really good conversation about chapter 13, and we're going to do the whole chapter when we get to that part. And, in fact, at the end of 13, chapter 13, verse 13, this is the key text of the entire book of Corinthians, in my opinion. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul just said at the end of chapter 12, desire the greater gifts. Faith, hope, love. The greatest is love. Isn't that great? He's, pardon, he's, he's starting to he's starting to make it happen, isn't he? It's good. Well, and I think that the overall idea is that you know, he goes through the whole parts of the body and everything. Mm-hmm is that basically you can't see all the parts as equal or as useful if you don't love, right? So you can be a part, but if you don't see everybody else's part as being as useful or as good as yours, then you still don't have the very bottom piece. And two, if you... you don't think everyone else's job is important as you. What's it say about you? There you go. You know? Because mm-hmm. you're doing this for the wrong reasons, buddy. You're self-motivated, <laughs> not, not yeah. others' motivated. Yeah. That's right. That is, that is, that actually ties back into one of the previous chapters we talked about where he talked about, like, managers and judging others and things like that, mm-hmm. where he talked about, you know, what you just described, Lola, is you can diagnose someone by saying, well, you're more concerned about your position you can diagnose an unconverted heart. You're mm-hmm. self-motivated. You are unconverted. Mm-hmm. You're active, accurately diagnosing the condition of that person's heart. Absolutely. That's what I thought. Just saying. It's great. Well, uh, again, next week we'll be at Bruvino for corporate gathering. And then the following week um, we'll be back at it with chapter 13. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this conversation. We just praise you that you've created us, both our physical bodies and the spiritual body that we are a part of in this church and a part of in your kingdom, in such a way that it, that it works best when all parts are serving each other. Not seeking their own, but seeking the benefit of the person next to them. And, you know, this is just a great a great illustration to point to how you work God and how you created this life and this world and the universe and God I just ask that you will open our minds to learn about ourselves in a deeper way that you will help us to recognize where we are still self-motivated and that you will lead us to a place that we can surrender that and grow from that and heal from that, to live in greater harmony with your design. Thank you so much for this beautiful day. We pray and we thank you.